The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, good morning, Tower View. Well, let me adjust that just a hair. Yeah, okay. I am coming from you from parts far flung and far away from home. And I am not in Kansas City. So good morning, even though it's not morning as I record this. I'm glad you're here. For those who don't know, I am. this is a Sunday school lesson. You saw the picture of the Sunday school book. For Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri, check out our website at towerviewkc.com and you see our phone number, which I will go over again in a little bit. And who am I? I am Associate Pastor Nelson Nisley at Tower View. And this is your Sunday School lesson for Sunday, um, June 13th, 2021. So we are in the book of Job. And, uh, well, wait a minute, before we start there, let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all the things that you do, Lord. You're a mighty God, and help us as we study your word this morning. We just pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So, since this isn't live, I'm not doing a bunch of call-outs on who's watching and who's commenting, because, well, I can't. Sorry about that. Um, I'll go back and check your comments later and, and comment on them. So this lesson, we're in lesson number two of the book of Job. Last week we looked at chapters one and two. And this week we're going to do things a little bit differently. So your lesson plan um, says in, in, in lesson two that we're going to be in Job chapter 14. Well, Job chapter 14 is the end of... One of the speeches by Job, and but we're going to look at chap, we're going to go kind of do a, a scan of chat of chapters three through fourteen. So if you have this book, please set it off to the side and pick up this book, your scripture, your Bible, and flip. And we're going to start in Job chapter three. Now I'm not going to read all the chat all the verses and all these, but what you need to understand about Job, yes, Job has a bunch of long-winded speeches. Job and his three friends, they went to long-winded speeches. And, that, and I understand that makes it a little bit hard to read. We're, we're just, I'm just going to go through and we're just going to pick different pieces. Um, but as you start different ch verses, chapters, um, you see who's speaking. And so you need to pay attention to that as you read this, because the words of who is speaking matter. Okay, so spoiler alert. At the end of the book, Job is declared righteous by God, and his three friends are not, and the three friends are told to go to Job so he can offer sacrifices for them. We need to read 
the whole rest of this book in light of that. In light of that fact that Job's friends are not, I would say not godly at all, but they're not near as godly and not near as righteous and a near an understanding of who God is than Job does. Job is on a scale way above them. And so as you read this, you need to remember that. So at the conclusion of chapter 2, which we didn't read the very conclusion, we're introduced to Job's three friends. Eliphaz the, the Temanite, this is in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Eliphaz the Temanite, Beldad the Shiite, the, I'm sorry, the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite. We don't know a lot about those names and about those places. And, and that's not really, they're not really important. But we know that the three friends came, and for a week they just sat with Job. Nobody talked. The friends didn't talk, and Job didn't talk. Because they saw the pain and the suffering that Job was in. Even from a distance, they could tell that Job was not the same man that he used to be. So at the chapter 3, we get Job beginning to speak, and he's the first one to speak. In chapters 3 through 14, Job speaks, and if you flip through your Bible, and your Bible may have subheadings to let you tell who it is. Then in chapter 4, Eliphaz speaks. Chapter 6, Job speaks again answering Eliphaz. In chapter 8, Beldad speaks. In chapter 9, Job begins speaking again, answering Beldad. And he speaks through chapter 10. Then Zophar speaks in chapter 11. And Job answers him in chapters 12, 13, and 14. And that's what we call the first series of, 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 of the dialogues that they're having. So everybody speaks in turn. So Job speaks, one of his friends speaks, and Job replies. And then another friend speaks. And the, and the three friends take turns. And that happens more than once to the book of Job. So we're looking at the first, phrase, the first phase, the first series of dialogues of, of the three friends of Job. And Job uh, gets more words in. He gets the last word in. And so we're going to go through this rather quickly. But and the reason I want to do this is just to kind of prime the pump. If you didn't read this, which many people don't when they get to Sunday school lesson, but I want you to come back and read these. And so we're just going to kind of overview of what they're saying and, and kind of hit the high points of what, what, they're, what they're saying. And so in Job chapter 3, we get this. It says, so in Job chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, after this, Job began to speak and cursed the day he was born. He said, may the day I was born perish and the night that said a boy is conceived. If only that day we had turned to darkness. May God above not, may God above not care about it or light shine on it. And so Job begins this whole speak. You see where he is. He's in despair. He's wishing that he had never been born. And he, he does it, this is a poetic book. And so he does it poetically. He talks, instead of just saying, I wish I'd never been born, he goes back and describes all the things that happen when, when a child is born and says, I wish those things didn't happen. 
And he puts God in the mix. He puts God in the mix. That says, why would I pray that I, w- I wish God didn't care about that day, and and that I would just had never been born. He he'd been stillborn. And so you see, we're getting in a glimpse of how Job is feeling, even though he said in chapter two, you know, uh, to his wife, he said, "Should we accept only good from God and not adversity?" And it said, through all this, Job did not sin with what he said. Did that carry on to all these speeches that God, Job did not sin in what he said? Did that include all these speeches? It's not really clear. Maybe. I tend to take it that Job's words were more godly and more pure than the three friends. That his speech was better than the friend's speech. So go to verse, skipping down, still in Job chapter 3, skip down to verse 24. Like I said, we're, we're, we're going to do a perusal. We're going, to, we're going to hit a lot of verses here. In verse 24, chapter 3, verse 24, he says, I sigh when food is put before me, and my groanings pour out like water. For the thing I feared has overtaken me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I cannot relax or be calm. I, can, I have no rest, for turmoil has come. He can't rest. He can't sleep. He can't eat. That would make you cranky and unhappy and make you not want and wish the day of your birth didn't happen too. You know, he, why can't he do that? Because he's in physical pain, because of whatever ailment Satan had put on his body. And he can't. Plus the physical, the, the mental anguish and the emotional anguish he has over losing everything. And even his wife has turned against him. And so he can't eat, he can't sleep. That just adds to his misery. And so that ends Job's first speech. In chapter 4, the first of his friends speak. That's Eliphaz. In Eliphaz, I'm going to read verses, Job chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. So I'm going to read a little bit longer section here. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, should anyone try to speak with you when you are exhausted? Yet who can keep from speaking? Indeed, you have instructed many and have strengthened weak hands. Your words have stead, steadied the one who was stumbling and embraced the knees who were buckling. But now that this has happened to you, you have become exhausted. It strikes you and you are dismayed. Isn't your piety... Isn't your piety your confidence and the integrity of your life your hope? Consider who has perished when he was innocent. Where have the honest been destroyed? And so Eliphaz begins with a rant that's against Job, saying, "Why are you make, why are you talking? Yeah, you're exhausted. Why are you talking?" And he talks about how Job has helped others. But then he takes that against him. But now that this has happened to you, and you are dismayed, so all these ways you've helped others, now you're the one dismayed. In verse 6, isn't your piety your confidence? Isn't that what Satan said to him? Well, Job's, Job's blamelessness and his purity is because God blessed him with stuff. Isn't your piety your confidence? 
and the integrity of your life, your hope. And then he slaps him in the face. Consider who has perished when he was innocent. Who perished? His children. He's saying his children are not innocent. That they deserve to die because of sin. It's a slap in the face. Eliphaz's speech is, is in chapters 4 and 5. In chapter 5, verse 8, we, we see Eliphaz saying this. However, if you were, if I were you, I would appeal to God and would present my case to him. He does great and unsearchable things and wonders without number. Have you, he gives rain to the earth and sends water to the fields. He sets the lowly on high and mourners are lifted to safety. And so he actually gives some good advice here a little bit. If I were you, I would appeal to God. The irony is Job talks about appealing to God and does appeal to God and his friends chastise him for that. In verse 17, chapter 5, verse 17 it says, see how happy is the person who God corrects. So do not reject the discipline of the Almighty. So he's saying Job should be happy because he's being disciplined. He's being corrected by God. Why? Because Job has sinned. And he needs to be disciplined and corrected. Just a note here, it uses the word God and the word Almighty. Throughout the book of Job, the, the friends and Job himself they use the word Almighty a whole lot, almost as often as God. Um, and we see that in the book of Genesis. It's, it's not the name that is normally used with Moses and Israel. That you, They use Yahweh, and they, but they use God also. But they don't usually say all, the Almighty. But that just is kind of a testament to the time that this was written in, before Moses, a time before Moses. We continue, one, one, two more verses to look at in this Eliphaz's speech. In verse, chapter 5, verse 24. You will know that your tent is secure and nothing will be missing when you inspect your home. You will know that your offspring will be many and your descendants like grass of the earth. Another slap in the face of Job. You know that your tent or your home will be secure and nothing will be missing. Well, Job's home was not secure. The, the, the children's homes was, was destroyed. And we know a lot. everything that Job had is missing now. And you know that your offspring will be many. Well, Job now has no offspring. The implication is that God is not blessing him any longer because of his sin. And so these are the things, and he's just a slap. In verse 26, it says, You will approach the grave with full vigor. Well, obviously, right now, Job is not in full vigor. He is in pain. He is in agony. He's probably lost a lot of weight. And I guess his friends are just deciding that he's going to die right here. This is it. And he's not in full vigor. So he's not in God's blessings anymore. Once again, just slapping him in the face and saying, It's all your fault, Job. 
You have some secret sin that we don't know about, and it's your fault that all this is happening. Because they don't know what happened in heaven between God and Satan. In chapter 6, Job replies. In Job 6, and in verses 1 through 4, Then Job answered, If only my grief could be weighed, and my devastation placed with it on the scales, then it would outweigh the sands of the sea. That is why my words are rash. Surely the arrows of the Almighty have pierced me, and my spirit drinks their poison. God's terrors are arrayed against me. And so Job, using poetic language, tells how about using word pictures, he tells about how awful his grief is. His grief is worse than the weight of all the sand in the sea. And it, that explains why Job's words seem to be a bit rash. If you have different translation, you may be looking at it, it may be a different word than rash. One of the problems that we have with the book of Job, and it's another way, it's another sign that it's of its age, that it's a much older book than the others, is there are many Hebrew words in this book that aren't used in other places in Scripture. They are not found in archaeology. So how do you translate a word that you don't know the definition to? Sometimes you can kind of guess by context. And you may be mostly right. Other times, it's like, well, you know, some words have very radical different meanings. Just look at English. The word cleave. You know, Scripture says a, a husband and a wife will cleave to one another. Well, what's the opposite of a word cleave? The opposite of cleave is also cleave, like a meat cleaver that you use to chop meat into two pieces. That's the disparity in the English language. There are disparities in other languages too. And so it's hard to translate words. Rash is not a bad translation. Uh, but you might see some other words there rather than rash and, and some other translations. And so Job is describing his grief and how awful it is. Um, skip down to verse 14. A despairing man should, should receive loyalty from his friends, even if he abandons the fear of the Almighty. So Job is saying that he, you know, he, he, should, he demands that his friends still show him loyalty. Even if Job is wrong. And, and the implication is that his friends are not showing him loyalty. That they are turning against him. And, and Job is seeing that. Even in his despair. Continue with Job's speech. So this Job's speech here is in chapter 6, 7, and 8. I'm sorry, just 6 and 7. Um, and so continue on in verse 7. Look down at chapter 7, verses 4 and 5. This is Job speaking. When I lie down, I think, when will I get up? But the evening drags on endlessly, and I toss and turn until dawn. My flesh is clothed with maggots and encrusted with dirt, and my skin foreign scabs and then oozes. A disgusting description of what he's feeling. 
you know, you may feel that when you, you have somebody on Facebook takes a picture of some scab or injury that they have or bruise, and you think, why are they posting that? Well, Job is describing, he couldn't post a picture about it, but he's describing in great detail how awful he feels, and what is going on. And so you got maggots, there's just dirt that he can't get rid of. Scabs is a guess word. We're not sure what that word is. Um, it could be some other skin malady besides scabs, but we don't know. It's just one of those words we're really not sure what the translation is. And then it oozes. So by context, we know it's something like scabs or some condition on the skin. But then his scabs are oozing. That's just gross. But that's where he is. Sometimes we are in terrible sickness and pain. We're in the hospital. We have bandages. We have things. I mean, think about, you know, as you get older, the things that you have. When you're young, you have, you know, pimples and blackheads. And as you get older, you get skin tags and other blemishes on your skin and, and such. It's not any better. Um, moles and all those things. Um, nasty stuff. And that's what Job is facing. That's his physical malady that he's facing. Going down to verse 11, chapter 7, verse 11. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. So a lot of these sections as I'm reading, I'm like reading the first verse of a paragraph. First one or two verses of a paragraph. And then I don't read the rest of the paragraph where he elaborates more on this idea. And that's where you can go back and reread this and say, what, what is he really talking about? He, he gives you more details. And the same with the, the, the speeches of the, his friends. I give you the, 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 first, like the first sentence of a paragraph, but I don't read the rest of the paragraph. And so he's saying, I kept, because of my pain, because of my suffering, I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to keep talking about it. And so this, this verse has three lines. I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish. I will complain in the bitterness. And look at what the other part. He says, I will, I will not restrain what? My mouth. I will speak of my spirit. I will complain of my soul. He's not holding anything back. Did you know God has big shoulders? Bigger than even as a pastor and a counselor? He can handle your complaints. He knows them better than you anyways. Job knows better why Job is suffering than Job does. He knows all the intricacies behind it. And so Job is saying, I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. Down in the same chapter, chapter 7, go down to verse 17. He says, what is a mere human that you think so highly of him? And he's speaking to God. And that reminds you of one of the Psalms. What is a mere human that you think so highly of him and pay so much attention to him? God, why do you have reckless love for us? That just seems, why do you love us so much? That just seems reckless, God. Verse 9, 18. You inspect him every morning and put him to the test every moment. Will you ever look away from him and leave me alone? <laughs> See, he kept saying him, him. And now in verse 19, will you ever look away from me? 
and leave me alone long enough to swallow? If I have sinned, what have I done to you? Watcher of humanity, what have you made what have you made me your tar why have you made me your target? So that I have become a so that I have become a burden to you? Why not forgive my sin and pardon my iniquity? For soon I will lie down in the grave. I will eager you will eagerly seek me, but I will be gone. So he starts his he starts praying to God. This is he's talking to God, not about God, to God. And first he talks he starts in the third person. Just talking about humans in general, in the third person. But in verse 19, he makes it personal. He says, this is about me. And he prays to God. And then we get to chapter 8, and, and Bildad speaks for the first time. And his, his speech is just chapter 8. It's a, a shorter one. It's a shorter long speech. And we're looking at chapter, and look at Bildad, and starting in verse 1. I'm going to read 1 through 9. Then Bildad the Shuite replied, How long will you all go on saying these things? Your words are a blast of wind. Your words are a blast of wind, like the wind that knocked down the house that killed your kids. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? Since your children sinned against him, he gave them over to their rebellion. Once they hear, now Bildad's saying, your kids sinned, they deserved what they got. That's a slap in the face. That's a gut punch. Verse 5, chapter 8, verse 5. But if you earnestly seek God and ask the Almighty for mercy... If you are pure and upright, then he will move even now on your behalf and restore the home where your righteousness dwells. Then even in your beginnings, even if your beginnings were modest, your final days will be full of prosperity. For ask the previous generations and pay attention to what their fathers discovered. Since we were, we were born only yesterday and know nothing, our days on earth are but a shadow. So here's Bildad, and he just starts off, and he just lays into Job again. And how his children and Job have sinned, and that's why they're dead. Can you imagine telling a mother that to her infant child that dies from SIDS or a stillborn? Well, if you hadn't sinned, your child wouldn't have died. What sin do you have in your life? That's what happened. Why did your teenager die in a car crash? Well, it must be because of their sin and your sin. And, and the, the, the irony is that we know that Job, that Job is not this way because God himself described him blame, as blameless. And Satan didn't dispute it. But yet here are these three friends disputing it. Even Job's adversary, Satan, recognized Job's righteousness. But the friends cannot recognize it. They do not recognize it. Look down at verse 20. 
Look, God, look, God does not reject a person of integrity. He will not support evildoers. Job, he's not counting Job in that, 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 um, that is a, he's not counting Job as a person of integrity. He's counting Job as an evildoer. Beginning in chapter 9, chapter 9, Job again replies. So, in chapter 9, look at verses 1 through 4, the beginning of Job's reply. Yes, I know what you've said is true. But how can a person be justified before God? If I wanted to take him to court, he, he could not answer God once in a thousand times. God is wise and all-powerful. Who has opposed him and came out unharmed? Job knows what he needs to do, what he wants to do. He wants to, you know, talk to God about what has happened. But he knows that, that that's a pointless task. Because even if you spoke a thousand words, it's not going to measure anything up to God. That God is wise and all-powerful. And he goes on to describe with poetic language how he knows God is wise and all-powerful. Skipping down to verse 8, and we'll look at a little bit. So in verse 8, he talks about one of the ways we know God is wise. He makes the stars, the bear, Orion, and the Pleiades, and the constellations of the southern sky. He does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. The same constellations that we have today, they had in that time. The difference was in many places in the, in the east, those constellations were considered God or they represented gods. But here Job says they all belong to God, the God, the Almighty. They belong to him. He created them. How does great and unsearchable things, he does great and unsearchable things without Number. He's not. Job is not discrediting God. He knows God is all powerful. He just don't. He just doesn't understand why he's the one suffering. He doesn't understand it. Look down at verse fifteen. We're still in chapter nine. Even if I were in the in the right, I could not answer. I could only beg my judge for mercy. Isn't that all we can do from God, is beg for mercy? We have no idea why the bad stuff happens to us, and it does. Why does somebody get cancer? Why do car crashes? Why this disease? Why that disease? Why, is, why do I lose my job? All we can do is ask for mercy from our God, from our Creator. In this case, he calls him a judge. Verse seven, go down to verse 17. He batters me with a whirlwind and multiplies my wounds without cause. He doesn't let me catch my breath, but fills me with bitter experiences. Think about the day when all this came down on Job. It was just one piece of bad news after another four times. And Job understands that, and he looked at the words he uses. He batters me with a whirlwind. That's probably what killed his children. 
So when he says he batters me with a word, he meant it literally. It didn't batter Job personally. It battered his children, which killed them, which affected Job personally. And then all the other things that happened is just it multiplied my wounds. And then my one after the other, while that person was speaking, the next one, he couldn't even catch his breath. And then sometimes later, he, he before he even recovers from all that, he gets whatever disease he has that's causing him pain and physical pain and agony. And he's, he's bringing it to God's attention. Look at verse 20. Even if I were in the right, my mouth, my own mouth would condemn me. If I were blameless, my mouth would declare me guilty. We, we know Job is blameless. God said it. But Job also knows his blameless, his blamelessness compared to God is still filthy dirty. You ever clean something and you think it's way, way, way cleaner? And then you find something that's even, that's, it's brand new, and you you look at what you cleaned, and it's like, oh, that's still filthy. Um, you know, think, think of something white. You know, it got all dirty and filthy, and you thought you washed it, and you said, well, that's much better. And then you look at something that's brand new, white, and you go, oh, it's still dingy. Because um, it, it's, it's not new anymore. And, and Job said, even, even if I'm the cleanest thing around, I'm still filthy dirty compared to God. And he understands that. He's not denying his sin and his, his lack of perfection. While Scripture says he's blameless, that doesn't mean he's perfect like Jesus. It just means he's better than everybody else in the comparison game. He's the most, he's the most holy guy around. Job's speech continues in chapter 10. In chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it says, I am disgusted with my life. I will give vent to my complaint and speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not declare me guilty. Let me know why you persecute me. Or, I'm sorry, prosecute me. Is it good for you to oppress me? And so he says, no, I'm not going to stop talking to God. I'm going to let him know how I feel. Job was not struck down for talking to God this way. He was declared righteous and blameless, and he lived his life with integrity. Even in this, he still lived his life with integrity. In chapter 11, we get the third friend speaking, Zophar. In verses 1 and 2, this is how Zophar starts. Then Zophar the Nahmathite replied, Should this abundance of words go unanswered, and such a talker be acquitted? So he's just complaining about Job, long-winded speeches. Down in verse 7, Can you fathom the depths of God or discover the limits of the Almighty? A fair question. Can he do that? But can Zophar? Can Zophar do that? No, he can't. Is he implying that he can? Kind of. That he's he's he, he's got more understanding than Job does. Zophar continues. Look down in, in chapter eleven, verse thirteen. 
It says, as for you, if you re redirect your heart and spread out your hands to him, that's God, in prayer, if there is iniquity in your hand, remove it. Don't allow injustice to dwell in your tents. Then you will hold your head high, free from fault, and you'll be firmly established and unafraid. All Job's got, Job's got to do is just confess all his sins. He's got some sin that he's not confessing. That's all you got to do, Job. You just got to have more faith. You just got to trust God more. What's wrong with you? Why don't you trust God enough? Why do you have all that depression and anxiety? Why don't you just trust God more? Then you won't have that depression and anxiety. Just read more Bible verses, and then you won't have that depression and anxiety anymore. Just trust God more, and that cancer will go away. It's not how it works. But yet Job's friends are sure that's what it is. I, I notice my face keeps going light and dark as I turn my head. I didn't bring... I usually have another light that I set just right there. on. The, you can't see it. And I didn't bring it. I also didn't bring a microphone, so my sound is not as as clear as it normally is. I apologize for those things. And then in chapters 12, chapters 12, 13, and 14 is, is Job's answers to Zophar. In chapter 12, look it down in verse 4. I am a laughing stock to my friends by calling on God who answers me. The righteous and the up and upright man is a laughing stock. So he's saying his friends are laughing at him. That he's the upright one and they're laughing at him because of all this bad stuff that's happened to him. Remember, Job's friends are not declared righteous. Continue on, look down at verse 7. But Job says, but ask the animals, and they will instruct you. Ask the birds of the sky, and they will tell you. So he understands that his friends don't know, but the animals of this world do. They understand who God is. Look down at verse, still in chapter 12, look down at verse 13. Wisdom and strength belong to God. Counsel and understanding are his. So think about that. He's... Wisdom, you think wisdom, counsel, and understanding, those are all synonyms. Then he throws in strength. Is that a case of one of these is not like the others? Or is that Job looking and thinking all four of those are synonyms? Not necessarily physical strength, but the strength of spirit. The strength of knowing that you have wisdom and counsel and understanding. That's what God has. That's a strength when you know you were right. Unlike his friends who thought they were right, but they're wrong. Continue on. Look at chapter 13 at verse 1. Look, my eyes have seen all this. My ears have heard and understood it. Everything you know, I also know. I am not inferior to you, yet I prefer to speak to the Almighty and argue my case before God. Your lies, you use lies like plaster. And you are worthless healers. If only you would shut up and let that be your wisdom. Ouch. He lets his friends have it. He said, listen, you're not telling me anything I don't know. I'm, you're not smarter than me. You're not wiser than me. And I'm not taking my case to you all. 
I don't need to convince you. I'm taking my case to God himself. And he let him have it. Your lies are like plaster. Well, what do you do with plaster? Well, in a house, you spread it on on the wall. You may have seen, if you've ever seen an old house, they used to put up slats of wood covering the wall over the studs, and this leaves like half-inch gaps between each slat. Then they cover the whole wall with plaster and smooth it out. It's what they did before they had drywall to hang. So you just cover the whole wall up with plaster. And you say, and that's what their lies are like. They're like plaster. You just cover up everything with the plaster. So covering up everything with their lies. And you said, you know what? Your wisdom would be a lot better wisdom if you'd shut up and quit talking. That's what he thought of his friends right now. They were not being helpful to him. Well, why not? They kept demeaning him. They did not recognize his life. And they blamed Job for everything. If Job would only done things better, he'd only believed more. If he'd only sinned less, he wouldn't have all these problems in his life. Job continues on in chapter 13. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. So chapter 13, verse 13. Once again, he says, Be quiet. Shh. Be quiet. And I will speak. But whatever comes happen to me, I will put myself at risk. I will take my life in my own hands. Even if he kills me, I will hope in him. I will still defend my ways before him. So Job says, even if I'm wrong, I'm going to take my case to God. Without hesitation. And even if he kills me, that's still better. It's better to be killed by God than to be killed by your enemies. I mean, King David says that in a sense when when he he is facing judgment because he had a he, he created a census of all the army of army age men in in Israel, and, and the prophet came and gave him three options of what kind of punishment God was going to give against Israel. One was an enemy that would come in and attack. One was a drought. I believe it was a drought. And one was the angel of the Lord come and, and, and would kill. And David chose the angel of the Lord because he knew God was merciful. He'd rather die at the hands of God than at the hands of, of his enemy or the hands of the weather. And that's what Job is saying here. I'd rather I'd rather die at the hands of God than anywhere any any other way. Let me talk to God. And he continues on down in in chapter 13, verse 20. Only grant these two things to me, God. So he's talking to God directly now. So that I will not have to hide from your presence. Remove your hand from me and do not let your terror frighten me. Then call and I will answer. Or I will speak and you can respond to me. Uh, Continue on verse 23. How many iniquities and sins have I committed? Reveal to me my transgressions and sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? He's taking his thoughts straight to God. The Job's friends keep talking about God. Job is talking to God. 
You think, well, those are sacrilegious questions. No, they're not. Not when you take them to God. Now, if Job turned his back on God and asked those questions, saying, I can't trust God anymore. Don't call me a Christian anymore. Don't call me a God follower anymore. And ask those questions. And that is sacrilegious. That's a lack of faith. But he's taking these questions to God as a sign of faith. Our prayers don't have to be all happy, campy prayers all the time. And only talk about all the happy things that have happened to us. And only recount the blessings that God gives us. We should do those things. But there were days like Job is having, worst day ever. And there are things going on in your life that you got to take to God. In pain and agony. And that's what Job is doing. One more section. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Anyone born of a woman is short of days and full of trouble. Anyone. That's all of us. We're all born of women, right? And no matter how old you are, your days are short. He blossoms like a flower, then withers. He flees like a shadow and does not last. Do you really take notice of one like this? Will you bring me into judgment against you? Who can produce something pure from what is impure? No one. So Job's saying, how do you expect me? I can't be pure. It's impossible. Why do you expect me to be 100% pure when that's not even a possibility? My life is already short enough. Why are you making it shorter? If you think life isn't short, go to a graveyard and start looking at tombstones. And even when you find find the oldest people there, at that gravestone, and think about their entire life, you know nothing about. They lived 70, 80, 90 years, and their life is gone, and you know nothing about it. And that's what that's that's Job's complaint. He says, you know, he talks. He goes on in this chapter and talks about the pain he's feeling. And that's been his complaint this whole time is the pain that he has, the physical pain, the emotional pain, the ongoing pain, the never-ending pain. And his friends keep going. Well, you can fix all this if you just. And that's not always the case. This was not fixable, at least not by God's definition yet. So, um, it was not there yet. Let's pray. So, God, we just thank you for this account, the, the, the life of Job, as it was, whenever it happened, Wherever it happened at, Lord, we can guess where it happened and when it happened, but we really don't know for sure. But we thank you for one thing, that you wrote these words down. You had them written down, that we can look at them. Help us as we suffer personally, that we can use these words to take to you. 
Lord, help us as we help others who are suffering. That we won't be like Job's friends. That we'll be more like Job and lead them through the suffering that they're going. And be there with them through their pain. Even as if we are completely silent and just sit there and say nothing. Because sometimes words don't fix anything. So give us empathy. Give us grace. Give us peace, Lord. Above all, give us mercy. That's what we ask for. You are the mighty God. We just pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So, once again, I, I am Pastor Nelson Nisley at Tower View Baptist Church. So, I, I pray that you be at church. Church is at 1030 this, at this morning. Um, church is open. Everybody can come in. Masks are optional. If you feel the need to, yeah, you need to wear them, um, please feel comfortable in wearing them. If you don't feel the need, if you, especially if you've been vaccinated, you know, um, don't feel don't feel the need that you have to wear a mask. Um, but we are not asking you: Are you vaccinated or not? We're not asking that question, so don't worry about it. So. I pray that you'll, you'll be there. We are still using the radio transmitter, so you can still listen to the radio at 90.7 in the parking lot. Um, and we'll see if the outside speakers are up. I'm not sure. I'm not there, so they'll have to make that call, well, depending on what the weather is and who's there to help. Um, so I pray that you'll be there. And if you need to find out more about our church, you are at Tower View Baptist Church. I said we're in Kansas City, Missouri. We're uh, on the east side of Kansas City, just off 435. Take the 48th Street exit and follow the outer road, Randolph Road, up to 50th Street, and there we are. We're in front of a big water tower that has many colors painted on in the paint scheme of a roller coaster amusement park across the highway, across the interstate, which will not be named. Check out our website at towerviewkc.com. Obviously, if you're watching this, you probably you can check out our Facebook page. Give us a call at 816-368-1330. And uh, you can call that number. You can text that number. Do you have questions? Do you have comments? What is God doing in your life? You, you, you can get a hold of us there. So once again, I thank you for watching and listening. I apologize for not being able to call out your names. I apologize for the lack of video and sound quality of this one. I will try to not make that happen again. Um, but once again... Thank you. God bless and have a wonderful and beautiful day.